morning. Sunday of Advent is Luke 1, starting at verse 57. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, no, he used to be called John. They said to her, there is no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet and to everyone's astonishment he wrote, his name is John. Immediately his mouth was open and his tongue set free and he began to speak, praising God. All the neighbors were filled with awe and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard it wondered about it, asking, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the land of all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. Here ends the lesson for today. Please be seated. Good morning. Happy Advent to you. We are still in the season of Advent for another day. We are on the fourth weekend of Advent, so thank you so much for being here uh, as we share the fourth and final part of this series called The Heart of Christmas. We have been looking uh, during the season of preparation at the heart. There are a lot of other preparations that, of course, go on practically and, and uh, uh, otherwise in our lives as we get ready for Christmas, parties and music and food. Oh, I have enjoyed the food and will enjoy more. And then reality will hit as I look at the scale. Um, and I'm sure you too. But here we are. We are on the brink. And today we look at the heart that believes, this heart that helps to prepare us for Jesus' birth. Have you ever received a text or an email or a phone call that promised something that just seemed a little too good to be true or a little bit suspect? In other words, a scam. Anybody ever received one of those? Raise those hands high. Yeah, come on. We all have, right? And we get those messages and sometimes almost immediately we're like, no, 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 this is bogus. You know, and all the flashy lights and oh, you may have already won. May have already won. The, the words in there are such that they draw us in. 
But we know in a lot of those cases that no, 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 this, this isn't legit or this is just too good to be true. Well, let's hear from a, a, a gentleman who is writer, a comedian called James Beach. As he received one of these emails to what he did when he received one of these. A few years ago, uh, I got one of those spam emails. And uh, it managed to get through my spam filter. I'm not quite sure how, but it's turned up in my inbox. And it was from a guy called Solomon Odonka. I know. It went like this. It said, uh, hello, James Veach. I have an interesting business proposal I want to share with you, Solomon. Now, my hand was kind of hovering on the delete button. Right? As you are, I was looking at my phone. I thought, I could just delete this. Or I could do what I think we've all always wanted to do. <laughs> and I said, Solomon, your email intrigues me. And the game was afoot. He said, Dear James Veach, we shall be shipping gold to you. <laughs> you will earn 10% of any gold you distribute. <laughs> so I knew I was dealing with a professional. This goes on for several communications, and you can see the rest of this. I, that would take up like most of the sermon time, so you're not, I'm not going to show it to you today. But you can go home and Google this or go to TED.com, look up James Beach or email scam, and it is worth your time. It is quite entertaining uh, to look at the exchange of emails that went on. Well, most of us, most of the time, don't respond to these uh, email scams or text scams, phone messages, because we know whatever it is that they're offering, there's some sort of catch. There's some sort of hook. Something is too good to be true. Something is going to happen that won't work out in our favor. We know better than to trust the message, and we know better than to trust the source. Sadly, though, scammers continue to do this because apparently enough people do respond to this or do believe that the source is trustworthy. And so oftentimes people, sometimes the most vulnerable, will uh, follow up with this. And, and scammers have, they've, they've become very creative uh, in how the messages that they get, bring to get you hooked in. We know better than to trust the message, though, most of the time. When it comes to believing a message, it is vital that we are able to trust the source. Zechariah was a priest. We hear his uh, part of his story in today's lesson from Luke chapter 1. Earlier on in that verse, we hear about when Zechariah was chosen uh, to go into the temple. He was a priest, and, and one priest at a time was chosen to go into the temple to offer the offering of incense. 
and they did this randomly, and he drew the lot. And so he went in to offer that offering of incense. He's in there alone, but he wasn't alone. Because as he was making that offering, a messenger from God appeared to him and said, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. You and your wife, Elizabeth, will have a child, a son, and you are to name him John. He will bring back much Uh, of the house of Israel and return their hearts to God. Now imagine the scene. Zechariah's in this temple, the incense is rolling up, and before him stands this messenger, sharing with him that he, an old man at this point, married to a woman who is probably past the time of bearing a child, are going to have a child, a son, and they are to name him John, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit and will be an agent of returning people to God. What would you do? Zechariah says, how can this be? For I myself am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. That's a nice way of putting. She's old too. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. In other words, I'm here on God's behalf. The message is trustworthy because the source is trustworthy. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Zechariah, when presented with a message that was too good to be true, questioned it, and in so questioning it, questioned the source of the message. This message, however, unlike an email or text or something else that we get that is a scam, was a message that may be a little hard to believe, but the source was good. The source was God. The source was trustworthy. Zechariah and Elizabeth's son would prepare the way for the coming of the Savior. And when Jesus came on the scene and was healing and teaching people, one of the main things that he was trying to do was to engender in people a faith and a trust in God. And a faith and a trust in the one that God had sent. On one occasion, Jesus was asked by some of those who were gathered around, what is it that we must do to do the works of God? Jesus could have responded, well, as he did on one occasion, well, you know the law, you know the words of Moses, you know the Ten Commandments, 
follow that. You know the prophets. You know how you are to care for your neighbor, for for those that are most vulnerable. Do that. But he doesn't say that. Instead, Jesus responds, the work of God is this, to believe in the one whom he has sent. The work of God is this, to believe. On another occasion, the servant of a Roman centurion was very ill. The centurion was part of the Roman army. The Romans were occupying that land of Israel. They were um, basically the, the enemy of the Israelites' freedom. And so the centurion was part of the other team. Yet this centurion gets the ear of some of the Jewish elders, sends them to this rabbi Jesus, whom he has obviously heard, is curing people, is able to heal. And he says, go and send this message to Jesus to come and to heal my servant. And the elders go and they say to Jesus, this man is worthy, even though he's a Roman centurion, he has helped us. He has helped us to to keep and to establish our temple and keep and establish our our religious practices. He is worthy of your help. Jesus goes with them. And while he is still a little ways off, the centurion sends some friends of his out to meet Jesus. And they come with this message from the centurion. Lord, don't trouble yourself. For I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. Here the Jewish elders have tried to convince Jesus that this man is worthy because of what he's doing for the people. And the man himself, the centurion, says, Lord, I am not worthy to even have you come under my roof. And that is why I did not come to you myself. He's saying, I am not worthy to be even in your presence. But just say the word, and my servant will be healed. Upon hearing this, Jesus is amazed at the man. And he turns to those who were there with him, and he says to them, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. I have come to to." To the people of Israel, I have come to God's people. John before me is trying to turn the hearts of God's people to Israel. Now I am coming to God's people, trying to engender in them faith. And this person outside of our people, outside of our religious system, expresses a faith like none I have heard yet. When they returned to the home of the centurion, they found that the servant was well. As we talk about a heart that believes this weekend, it is a heart that is not easily taken. It's not just swayed. It's not a heart that just trusts in anything and anyone, that falls for anything from anyone. But it's a heart that knows the trustworthiness 
of the source. It's one who knows that that the one who says this, the one from whom the message comes, is trustworthy and keeps his promises. It's also a humble heart, for it does not seek personal gain, but seeks the good of others. And it is a heart that looks more deeply at what is going on A heart that looks simply uh, past the surface of things or that looks past the selfish desires, that looks past what I want, what I desire, and says, wait, something more must be going on here. Something deeper, something of God. Mary Beth uh, and Tom are shown in this picture. And their four children. Mary Beth says, I am still in awe of how abundantly my husband and I have been blessed. Any music, country music fans, Garth Brooks fans? She says, like uh, that great line in a Garth Brooks song, I thank God for unanswered prayers. For years, she says, we prayed so hard to conceive a child of our own. We could not even begin to have known how much more joy God's plan for us would bring. Mary Beth has a medical condition that makes it very difficult to conceive. And yet they they believed and they trusted in God and they, they put this prayer out to God, just like Zechariah did in Elizabeth, that they may have this child. Even though the odds were against it, we're trusting you, we're believing you, God, to deliver this. If it is if in your will, you can do this. And so that was Mary Beth and Tom's prayer. But even in that process, they felt this nudging towards adoption and so they applied for adoption and thus began the very very thorough if you've been through this a number of our people have very thorough process of adoption and then came the word the news after some time that a birth mother had chosen them and that a bit after that came news that their first child, Katie, had been born. When Katie was two years old, a friend of Mary Pat's asked her if they were planning to adopt again. And this started her thinking about it. And, and Tom and Mary, uh, Mary Pat, I'm sorry, I keep saying Mary Beth, don't I? Uh, Mary Pat, um, talking about that. And though they were in the process of moving, they decided once again to apply for adoption. And then their second child, Katie, was, or their second child, Megan, was born. Two years later, they submitted their third application. And when um, they asked Katie, their oldest, who was now four years old, if she thought that the new baby would be a boy or a girl, Katie responded enthusiastically, 
both. Both. <laughs> and they thought, oh my. <laughs> well, that's cute, isn't it? And then when the child was born, it was a boy, Andrew. And that was their third child. But Mary uh, Pat kept thinking about uh, her daughter Katie's words. That they would have two kids. And she kept feeling in her heart that another daughter was supposed to be in the picture. And then it wasn't long after that that they got a call that their oldest daughter, Katie's birth mother, was pregnant. And she wanted Mary Pat and Tom to adopt her child. A little while later, that child was born, a girl. And they brought home now for Katie not only an adoptive sister, but her biological sister as well. Mary Kate and Tom, or Mary, Mary Pat, I have a hard time with that. Mary Kate, Mary Beth, Mary Pat. Mary Pat and Tom. I even have written in here Mary Beth. I was just, I must, I must know Mary Beth. Mary Pat and Tom acknowledge that someday their kids may very well want to reconnect with their adopt or their uh, birth parents. And when they think about this, Mary Pat says, we remember that when, if that day comes, that these four little blessings were only given to us for a time to borrow. They are not ours. Nor are they their biological parents. They are God's. Back to today's story of Zechariah and Elizabeth. When they brought their son to the temple for the ritual circumcision, and that's when they would officially name the child, both, uh, both of them were there, Zechariah and Elizabeth. Zechariah, though, was still mute. So the others who were there with them took it upon themselves to decide, well, we should name the child Zechariah then, after his father, figuring that's what he would want. But Elizabeth spoke up and said, no, his name is John. Good for her. However, I guess that wasn't good enough because they had to go then to Zechariah and try to communicate with him and figure out, is that really the case? Is that what you want? And he motioned for them to get a tablet. And then he began to write. His name is John. Zechariah, who had months before doubted the message and thus questioned the source, through the stroke of a pen, as he wrote this phrase, expressed a heart that now believed. His name is John. As soon as he had finished writing that, his mouth 
was open and he began to speak and praises of God poured out of him of what God was doing and what God would do. For he knew from, this, from the angel who had spoke to him just a few months before that that God was up to something. And now he trusted it with all his heart. We get so many messages thrown our way. Messages through all of the different sources we get. We get messages from people around us. We get messages in so many different ways. We're bombarded with these messages. And we have to sift through them. And we don't know always what ones to believe and what ones not to believe. And what to think and what's true and what isn't true. And we have to filter these things all of the time. we should because not every message that comes our way can be believed or trusted and so what we need to do is look at the source who does this come from what's the motivation and when we know that the source is from God no matter how crazy, no matter how amazing, no matter how miraculous the message might be, if the source is from God, then we can trust that message. We too can have a heart that believes. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for the message that you bring in this season. Thank you for a message that is so familiar that we may not reflect on that to its full extent. But a message that is miraculous. A message that is good news. That can seem like news that is too good to be true. But Lord, it is a message from you. Lord, help us to have hearts that believe. Help us to have within us the faith to believe and to trust in that message of your love, of your grace for us and for the world. And Lord, work in us a heart that so believes and so trusts in that message that we too may become agents of that, that we too may sing your praises, that we too may share that message with others. For we pray this in the name of him who came to engender within us and within all a faith and a trust in what you are doing, what you are up to in this world. We pray it in his name. Amen.